The following sermon is from Grace Church East County. More information about Grace Church is available at gracechurcheast.org. We are in Romans chapter 5. We're here trekking on our third sermon in this uh, wonderful and rich passage. I hope for the last uh, three weeks as we've been camping out in Romans 5, I hope that uh, today and next week as well, that God is just... Um, that the Spirit is really just opening your eyes to see the, the riches of the truths of, of this passage, for perhaps even just uh, take a consider putting this to, to memory that you might benefit all year long from, from the riches of God's word here in, in Romans 5, 1 through 11. Well, just briefly before um, Nick reads our passage for us this morning, uh, as Tab did mention, I think the last update we had given to the church was that we had heard the vote went well, but there was no... Um, there was no information on timing dates or transitions, but this last week we did find out that we did receive the formal offer letter that, um, yeah, they offered the job to us with a start date of March 1st, uh, which is really good news. We were thinking it might be February, and so we were grateful that it was March and that we we're able to, to be here and be with you folks for, for a couple of weeks longer in the midst of, uh, yeah, the midst of the sad parting. We're grateful for a few more weeks to, to be with all of you. And so I think February 12th will be our, our last Sunday here, but looking forward to, to cherishing all of the ones that we have between now and then. Well, as you guys have your Bibles to open to Romans 5, we're going to be continuing our Advent series here, Gifts for Our Anxious Age. Uh, Christians throughout the centuries have celebrated the season of Advent by highlighting uh, the gifts that this season brings, the gift of peace, joy, hope, and love. And this week, we're going to be looking at the gift of hope. And so before Nick reads our passage, let me pray that the Spirit might meet us. Oh, Holy Spirit, we, Father, we give you thanks that you desire to meet us, to change us, to transform us through the reading and the preaching of your word. Holy Spirit, I pray for, for each one of us that you would, would meet us where we are today in your word. I pray even right now that you would be, you would stir up the expectancy that we might have in our heart, that we are going to be met by you. Lord, we know and it is clear from your word that you desire to meet us. Lord, we know your word does not return void. You, you want to change us right now. And so I pray, Lord, that we would be open, that we would be expectant of that good work that you desire to do in our lives. And so meet us, we pray, in the reading and preaching of your word. Amen. Let us hear a reading from God's word, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak 
at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. May God bless his word and the preaching today in Jesus' name. Well, throughout this series, what we've been referring to as our anxious age has also been referred to by many sociologists as as the age of despair. Whether it is uh, mental health factors, economic factors, the breakdown of community and shared spaces, the loss of meaning, there are, are lots of things that are contributing to a sense of despair that many feel. And at the heart of this age of despair is the complete loss of hope that so many are experiencing on a day-to-day basis. So many in our world are just walking around with no hope, completely in despair. And we know that this isn't something that, that just those outside of the church experience, but this is something that all of us can experience, as as John Bunyan showed us in Pilgrim's Progress, even Christian and hopeful can be caught by the giant despair. Even Christian and hopeful can be tempted to despair as we experience seasons of life where we are tempted towards hopelessness, seasons of life where we just see no light at the end of the tunnel. I just wonder, what is that situation for you right now? What's the, what's the reality in your life that is causing you, that is tempting you towards hopelessness? Perhaps there's a, a relational struggle with you and, and someone else in your life. Perhaps there's a, a health problem, chronic suffering. Maybe there's an area of your life financially, professionally, where just the prospects for your future seem bleak. Certainly in our anxious age, as we live life in this Genesis 3 world, there is no lack of reasons to despair. And the challenge for us as Christians as we experience these moments of despair is that they inevitably impact our relationship with God. These moments of despair, these experiences of hopelessness can cause us to ask, why hasn't God changed me or my circumstances? Why doesn't God give me these good things I'm asking for? And so we we can conclude, we can be tempted to think that God just doesn't care, or that he's he's not able to to change the, the realities going on in our life, and this only leads us to more and more hopelessness. One way you can find yourself doing this is where have you recently shrugged your shoulders and thought to yourself, it is what it is. 
What's that situation in life for you right now? Those moments where you say to yourself, it is what it is. I think that's a, those are, that's a blinking sign alerting us to areas where we might be tempted towards hopelessness. Well, it's in these experiences of hopelessness that Advent and that Christmas comes bringing us the gift that we need more than anything else, the gift of hope. You see, brothers and sisters here, the incarnation, God taking on human flesh holds out true and lasting hope for your soul and mine. It offers us the hope that we need and the hope that we long for. It offers us a hope that is intended to change us right here, right now. And as we look at our passage here, as we look specifically at Romans 1 through 5, we're going to see that God shows us that we have a sure future hope being produced in us right now that will never let us down. In this passage here, it shows us that in Christmas, in Advent, we have a sure future hope that is being produced in us now that will never let us down. Let us unpack this sentence here one one phrase at a time. First, let us see that we have a sure future hope. Look with me at verses one and two. God says to us, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In our anxious age, as we see here in verse 2, God offers us the gift of a sure future hope, this hope in the glory of God. As we saw last week, this hope of God's glory, it it speaks to our hope for the day when when Jesus will return. It speaks to our hope for the day when God's glory will fully and finally be revealed when Jesus returns bringing his kingdom. This, This hope of the glory of God, it speaks to that day when not only will we see God's glory, but we will be transformed into this glory as we see in Romans 8. And not only us, but we know that all of creation will be completely and utterly transformed by the glory of God into the glory of God. This is, a, this is the vision that we see so clearly in Revelation 21 and 22. It speaks to this hope for the day when Jesus will return and when his glory covers the earth as the water covers the sea. On that day when Jesus returns, as we look forward to his se- in his second advent, Jesus will return and he will completely renew the earth. All suffering and sin, all of the pain and the sorrow, the anger and the anxiety, the guilt and the shame, all of these common struggles that we experience here in life in this earth, all of them will be erased. We'll receive resurrection bodies never again to experience suffering or sickness. The days of COVID, the days of RSV, the days of the flu will all be a de- will all be a distant memory for you and I on that day when the glory of God comes. 
This, this almost sounds too good to be true, but, but the reality is that this hope of the glory of God is just like any good infomercial where it's not just that God's glory is going to come, but God's glory calls out to us, but wait, there's more, because it's not just that there will be no more suffering or no more sin, as glorious as this is going to be, because the hope of the glory of God calls out to us, and it speaks to our ultimate hope, the hope of life in the immediate presence of our triune God. This hope of the glory of God, it speaks to the day when God will be among us. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will dwell among us. He will be our God and we will be his people. That is our hope. That is the sure future hope that God is holding out to us. That day when we will be holy and whole, world without end. This, this hope of the glory of God, as Paul is writing about, it's the, it's the, the ultimate happily ever after that our, that our hearts all desire. This longing here seen in, in, Revel, in Romans 8, in Romans 5, in Revelation 21 and 22, this, this hope of the glory of God is the ultimate happily ever after. I mean, we, we all desire this, don't we? I think it's so easy just to think about the, the movies that we watch, the, the stories that we tell ourselves time and time again. They all point to this longing that we have for happily ever after. We have this deep-seated hope in us. This same hope that Samwise Ganji had where he asked Gandalf in the return of the king, is everything sad going to come untrue? Each and every one of us has that longing deep in our bones for that day when everything sad will come untrue. That's what Paul is highlighting for us. That's what, what God is showing us here is that we have a sure future hope and the thing about this is that this hope is meant to change us right here and right now. Just think about what's that situation that you're facing, the, the situation that tempts you to, to hopelessness or despair, the, the situation that causes you to, to shrug your shoulders and to say, it is what it is. Into that situation right now, God is inviting you to set this vision of future glory before your heart and your mind. He is inviting you to meditate on this reality and to ask the Spirit to have this vision of this future glory that will be yours in Christ, to have that utterly transform your experience of that situation right now. And it can do so as, as, as we do this, as we meditate on this sure future hope that we have. It can, it can cause us to live what one pastor called the Ford tilted life, where we, can, where we can live our lives with the eyes of our hearts fixed on our ultimate destination. It can, we, can, we can live this Ford tilted life where, where our hopes are constantly set on this future before us, where we will be in the presence of our triune God. This, this fourth Sunday of Advent, as we remember that we are a people in waiting, Romans 5 is calling us to look forward to this sure future hope that we have, this day when Christ who has already come, the light that has already come in the darkness, to look forward to that future day when the light will completely dispel the darkness that we experience right now. This, And brothers and sisters, we have this as a sure hope 
because of what we celebrate at Christmas, where we look back and we remember that Jesus has already come, that in his life, death, and resurrection, the, the down payment on our hope has already been paid. And so we can rest right now in the midst of whatever those difficulties are, knowing that we have this sure future hope. In just a minute, we'll, we'll flesh that out a bit more. But as we live in this age of despair, as we live in our anxious age, Christmas comes to us bringing a sure future hope. Because we see that is just the beginning. Because as we see, secondly, this sure future hope is being produced in us right now. As we've been seeing, this, this hope is primarily future but as God shows us in verses three and four, this future, future hope is being brought into the present. It is being shaped in us right now. Look with me at verse three where, the, where God tells us, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. As we see here, God's using our experiences of suffering to ultimately bring about this sure hope in us right now. As we saw last week, the, the suffering mentioned in these verses here aren't only speaking to the major experiences of suffering that we experience, the, the cancer diagnosis, the, the sudden death of a loved one. Those, those experiences are certainly included but this word here is, is more general. It speaks to the, the trials and the pressures. It, it speaks to the common struggles and suffering that we all face living in this Genesis 3 world where things are not as they are meant to be. These regular but challenging situations that we face day in and day out, Paul tells us that these challenges here are being used by God to produce endurance in us, to, to strengthen, to, to toughen up our faith, as it were. And this endurance here then produces character as it transforms us more and more into the image of Christ. And as we see at the end of verse 4 here, that this character brings about hope. The sufferings we experience, they ultimately increase our desire and our longing for that sure future hope that we just looked at, that day when everything sad will come untrue. The, the, the difficulties that we experience in life right now, they are, they are meant to be producing in us a hope and a longing for that future day. In this way, you can think of, you can think of hope like a muscle, like all muscles, if our hope is going to be strengthened, it needs to, it needs to be worked out. I think we all get this, right? If you want to, to strengthen your biceps, you, you do some curls. If you want to strengthen your ab, your core, you do, you do some crunches and your, your planks. I, I hope that those things are right. I did confess I had to have Google tell me how to strengthen those Muscles, as, as you can tell, I, I don't work out a lot. I, I don't step inside the gym very often. I would much prefer just to go running. But, but here in verses three and four, God is, God is showing us that, that suffering is the ideal, that, that suffering is the best workout to strengthen our hope muscle. Just think about the, the difficulties that you're walking through right now. Those relational challenges with friends and family the struggles at work or at school, 
whether it's with your coworkers, your teachers, your classmates, or your, your coworkers. Think about the, the confusion around your future, the difficulties of aging, as well as the more pronounced forms of suffering that you're experiencing, suffering that I know many of you are walking through right now. All of these afflictions, all of these sufferings, they are working out your hope muscle in a way that nothing else could. As I thought about this reality, an illustration just kept coming to mind. In her excellent book, Prayer in the Night, um, Pastor Tish Harrison Warren, um, she writes about a whole class of flowers that only bloom at night. Flowers like moonflowers, evening primroses, and other night bloomers. These, these can only be glimpsed in their full glory if you venture out in the dark, in the moonlight. And she says, in the same way that these flowers only bloom at night, there are spiritual things, there are things in our spiritual lives, I think Paul would say things like hope, that only bloom in the dark. There are things in, this, in our spiritual lives that only bloom in the dark. And that's exactly what God is saying to us here in verses three and four. It is only in the, the dark of suffering that our hope comes alive, that our hope grows, that our hope comes in to full view. We see this in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, where we're speaking about our suffering. Paul says that for this light and momentary affliction, what's it doing? It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's what our, our suffering does. That's what, that's what our suffering is doing in us right now. It is preparing us for this hope of glory that is awaiting us. See, brothers and sisters, in the upside-down realities of living in God's kingdom, rather than threatening or weakening our hope, which you think would be the case, our suffering actually reassures us of our hope. Our suffering strengthens our desire for Christ's return. It, it increases our longings for that day when our sure future hope becomes our sure present experience. It increases our longing and our desire for that day when Christ comes and we will experience, we will walk into that eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison as we see Christ face to face, as we become like him, as everything sad becomes untrue. I hope you're finding your hope increase this morning. I think that's what God desires for your soul. As we live between Christ's first and second comings, God desires that in the midst of the hard things we experience in our day-to-day -day lives, that we would be filled with hope and that this hope would reshape our sufferings. And there are certainly many ways it does that, but I just wanna highlight one primary way that our hope can do that. And that is by giving us perspective. This hope here in Romans 5 can give us perspective in the midst of the struggles and suffering that we experience right now. It does this in two ways. First, it shows us that things will not always be this way. Think about the, the challenging situation in life right now, the struggle or suffering that you are experiencing right now. Whatever that is, 
This vision of future glory can help us right now by showing us that this is not the way things are always going to be. Life is hard right now, but there is coming a day when Jesus will return, when this will no longer be our lot in life, when we will no longer struggle and suffer as we are right now, because we will be in the presence of Christ. And so we can endure the difficult seasons with hope thought of this this last week and it, of how our future hope can be like a like an upcoming vacation or an upcoming break from school for you and in the Morgan house this this last week was the last week of school before the kids Christmas break and and so all week really for the for the last two weeks there's been this daily countdown of how many days the kids have left of school until Christmas break now now why are they doing that It's because this vision of Christmas break was strengthening them. It was helping them to face the day of school they had ahead of them. That that test that they had, those assignments that they have, it was was a little bit easier to go through them, to to get them done with with a good attitude, knowing next week I don't have to do this. (laughs) Next week I don't have to experience these difficult things. And in the same way in Romans 5, this future hope of life with God in the new heavens and the new earth, it's meant to have the same effect on us right now. It's meant to strengthen us for today, knowing that we can face the struggles and the suffering that we're going through right now, knowing that there is coming a day. Christmas break, as it were, is coming. Now, unfortunately, we can't count down the days. I don't think that can stop us. It's not intended to stop us from having this great hope as we long for this future, this unending future. Kids, I hate to break it to you. Christmas break is only like three weeks. But this future hope of heaven that we have, this sure future hope will not end, but it'll go on and on for eternity as we continue to grow in the knowledge and love of God. Without this hope, our our suffering only increases. Without this, this hope, we, just, we go further and further into hopelessness, this hopelessness that would crush us. But God doesn't want that. He holds out hope for us, hope of that day when everything sad will come untrue so that it will give us the perspective that we need to keep going. Not only does it remind us that things aren't going to be this way, but it can give us perspective by by showing us and reminding us that God is at work in our suffering. He is bringing about something good in the midst of the hard things that we're walking through right now. I just want to be careful here. I am not saying that God is putting us through suffering so that we will learn this this truth. That's, That's not what God is doing here. But what we see in this passage is that in the midst of the suffering that we experience in this Genesis 3 world, in the midst of the hard things that we are going through, God is not absent. He hasn't left us, but he is with us even through the suffering that would seek to bring bad things. And he is using this suffering that would threaten to bring bad things. He is using it to bring about something good. He is using it to increase our hope. He's strengthening our hope muscle, causing us to cry out all the more what we cried out at the end of the lament, Maranatha, oh Lord, come. Our sufferings right now, God is at work in them, strengthening our hope, strengthening our desire for that day when he will come and he will make all things new. 
Christmas comes bringing us the gift of a sure future hope that's being produced in us now. But there's a third thing. Third thing we see in verse five is that this hope, this hope that we've been talking about all morning, it will not let us down. Verse five, Paul writes, and hope, this hope that's being produced in us does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This hope that we've been talking about this morning, it will not put us to shame. Your translation might say, will not disappoint. This hope that we have, this sure future hope of heaven that we have, of life in the presence of God, it will not disappoint. And I'm just so thankful that God has included us included this for us here because I think if we're all honest, <laughs> I think this was, was true for me as I was preparing this sermon, all this talk about hope in the back of my mind, it can, it can cause me to wonder, is this, is this hope real? Can I trust in this hope? Maybe you've been, been thinking to yourself, perhaps, how do I know that this hope isn't just some religious coping mechanism to, to get through the hard things of life? I think Marx right, called it the, the opiate of the masses, this, this religion and the hope that it offered people in the midst of the struggling and suffering of life. I think the truth is we're all tempted with that question. We're all tempted to wonder, is this hope real? Is this hope going to let me down? I think God knows we had these questions. Certainly the Christians in Rome had these questions. And so Paul speaks directly to it. And as we see here in verse five, this sure future hope does not disappoint. This sure future hope will not let us down. As Eugene Peterson puts it in the message, this, we will not be feeling left shortchanged by this hope that God is offering to us. This language here of being put to shame, um, this, this language here, it comes from the Old Testament. We see this time and time again in the Psalms and the prophets where, where the psalmists speak to this, this confidence they have that on that judgment day, on the last day when Christ returns, that they will not be put to shame. It speaks to the, the, the confidence they have that those who trust in God, those who hope in him, they don't need to worry about whether they will be saved from God's future judgment. They don't need to worry or fear that they will be humiliated on that day, but that they can have a sure hope that this hope will not disappoint because of the one that they are trusting in. And for you and me, we can look to Jesus and we can trust in him knowing that we will not be disappointed. I think here is where we see most clearly how biblical hope is so much different than the way we normally talk about hope. I think for you and me, as we, we talk about hope, it's always this, this sense of hopefully, right? We can, we can hope the weather's fine. We can hope that we get home on time, or we can hope that this works out or that works out. But we're never 100% sure about those things when we're, when we're hoping in them. We certainly wish it to happen. We, we want these things to happen, but, but we don't have a guarantee, I think this, this becomes a reality for me every February with that great phrase, hope springs eternal. 
Every spring training, every February as spring training starts, this, this phrase, hope springs eternal, be, begins to surface in our, in our cultural conversations as, as every baseball fan is, is holding out hope that this year will finally be the year that our team goes all the way, that it might finally be the year that our team wins the World Series. I think as a, as a longtime Padre fan myself, for many years, this, this hope was nothing more than, than wishful thinking. <laughs> this hope here was, was, was a hope, I, ha- I hope it happens, but it was a hope that always disappointed. It was a, it was a hope that always put to shame, sometimes, oftentimes before all-star break. But that's not how Paul is using hope here. Paul's not crossing his fingers, wishing that it's true. Paul's not sitting there nervous about whether this hope is going to work out. Paul is not anxious about this future hope that he has been talking about. This, for Paul, this hope of the glory of God is a sure thing. This hope speaks to a secure confidence he has. Biblical hope here isn't a hopefully It's not looking forward to the future, not knowing whether this future that God has promised to us will come true, but it's a secure and confident expectation that what we believe will come true. That's what you and I have this morning. That's what what God is holding out to us right now, a hope that will not disappoint us, a hope that is meant to give us much comfort right now. And the reason why is because this hope isn't based on something we just want to be true, but this hope here is based on the promises of God. We see an example of this in Romans chapter four. Just briefly uh, flip a page back or look up in your Bibles to, to Romans chapter four, verse 18. We're speaking of Abraham, Paul writes, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. Here in verse 18, we're we're told that Abraham hoped against hope. And at first, this can sound like like hoping that my Padres would win the World Series in the early 2010s, a hope that would inevitably disappoint here. But that's not what's happening here for Abraham. It's not the hope he had. Because Abraham wasn't hoping against a a hopeless thing, something that he just wanted to come true, but he was hoping in the promises of God. As we see in verse 18, he was hoping in what he had been told by God. While it didn't make sense to him, while he couldn't explain it to anyone else, even though the very idea of him having a child at 100 years old made his wife laugh with disbelief, Abraham hoped against hope. He trusted in the promises of God, even though everything around him showed him otherwise, tempted him to believe otherwise. He had hope. And this is the hope, brothers and sisters, this hope that Abraham had. This is the hope that's being offered to us right now. It's the hope that we want. It's the hope that we need as we live life in our anxious age. I think it, it, it highlights a, a challenge or struggle for us because all too often, rather than placing our hope in the promises of God, as this passage calls us to, we can place our hope in the wrong things, things that will inevitably disappoint us. We can place our hopes for our future in our finances or in our good bill of health. 
We can place our hopes for our kids in our parenting techniques or in our schooling choices. We can place our hopes for our happiness in, in finding the perfect spouse, in getting into the perfect school, or landing the dream job. And one by one, these and every other thing that we look to, to place our hope in, they're all like stairs of sand that crumble under the weight of our day-to-day -day lives. Everything else that we look to, everything else that we are tempted to put our hope in outside of the promises of God will all disappoint. And can you relate this morning? Can you relate with that feeling of hopelessness that comes from being let down again? Perhaps this morning you have given up hoping, afraid of being disappointed yet again. Maybe you can remember that moment in your life where you promised yourself that you would never allow yourself to get your hopes up again. You've just been let down one too many times. Well, it's into this hopelessness that God is inviting us to look to him and to place our hopes in the only thing, the only reality that will not put us to shame, the only reality that will not disappoint, and that is hopes in his very great and precious promises. God is inviting us and he's holding out to us this secure and confident expectation that you and I can have that everything sad will come untrue, that everything he has promised will come to pass. One day, this future vision of glory will be made real as we experience life in the presence of God. This is not just wishful thinking, but this is a, but we can have the confident expectation that this is true. And we can do that because we can look to Jesus. This moment between the advent of Christ, we can look forward to the future advent of Christ with a confident and sure expectation because you and I on this side of the cross, we can look forward to the, we can look back to the first advent, to Christ's first coming, where in his life, death, and resurrection, he secured and accomplished our hope. In his life, death, and resurrection, as he put the down payment on this hope, as he holds out to us the promise that he who came, who died on the cross for our sins, to draw us to God, to bring us peace with God, the one who gives us great reason for joy, we can look back sure of all those promises that he has already fulfilled, and we can have a sure hope right now. We can have this confident expectation that we will not be let down. Our hopes will not be put to shame because we can look to the cross, we can see the promises he's already answered, and we can have great hope that he will fulfill those promises in the future. This is a sure hope that you and I have, this hope that will not disappoint. Where are you shrugging your shoulders right now saying, it is what it is? In that moment, whatever that situation is for you, God is inviting you right now to look back to his first coming, to look forward to his second coming and to have great confidence. Because here in the midst of our anxious age, in the midst of our age of despair, you and me have a sure future hope that is being produced in us right now that will never let us down. This is the hope we most want. This is the hope we most need. And through the Holy Spirit, this is the hope that God wants to build up in you right now. Why don't you spend a few moments praying, praying to that end. Pray that the Spirit would fortify this hope in your soul right now 
in the midst of the struggles and suffering that we experience in our day-to-day lives. Well, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that, that we are a people of hope. We do not need to be afraid. We do not need to be anxious. We do not need to worry because you have given us a great hope in your son, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us the faith to believe in this hope. Give us the grace we need to live in the good of this hope right here, right now. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church East County. Please find us online at gracechurcheast.org if you would like to find out more about us.